Uh, okay, without further ado, let's talk about the Bible. Uh, if you got your Bible, uh, open them up to John 11. And we are going to read a story, and this is a kids' uh, worship, family worship day. So kids, I want your ears open, uh, your ears alert, uh, and your, your mouths ready to uh, kind of give me some feedback. I've got some questions for you along the way, but we're going to read a story uh, that is, it has some heaviness to it. Uh, so we follow the lectionary as, as good Anglicans, so when it comes up, uh, I, I recognize this is a family worship Sunday in the in the. The material is a little heavier, uh, maybe for some, um, than we would expect for a family worship service, but uh, I, I have a lot of faith in our kids uh, that they honestly can probably handle that more uh, than we, can ex- we usually expect them to be able to. So we will look at John 11, and to give a little background here, uh, this story, uh, the main characters are a guy named uh, Lazarus, um, uh, Mary, and Martha, and then obviously our guy Jesus, and all four of these folks are good friends with each other, uh, and but sadly, Lazarus uh, has passed away, and now Jesus has traveled a great distance uh, to see them, and that's kind of where we find the story. So we'll pick it up in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, Lazarus, would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Then when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank You that You have heard Me. I knew that You always hear Me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that You sent Me. When He had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out 
his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the Word of the Lord. Father, we are thankful for Your Word. We're thankful that we have the Bible to guide us. We are thankful that we, though we are sinful, as the songs we sang this morning, though we wander from You, Your Word is what we can come back to over and over and over again to remind us of truth, to remind us of Your love, to remind us of our value in Christ. And Father, I pray that those truths this morning would resonate deep into our hearts today. May we leave here with the fruits of the Spirit abounding out of this building, with peace and patience and kindness, not because we've mustered them up, but because Your Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of the men and women, the boys and girls in this room. And as always, we pray for those who are hurting in our church. May You draw near to them, remind them of truth, but also help meet the needs that they have. Whatever those needs are, may they be met. And may we as a church be given the opportunity to love and serve each other well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, I'm going to run through some scenarios. And I would like you all to tell me how they make you feel. You can just shout it out. It's the night before your birthday. And you know your parents or your friends have planned a big party for you. What is the emotion? How do you feel the day before a birthday party like this? You can raise your hand or, or just shout it out. Go ahead, buddy. Happy or excited? What else? Yes, Augustine. Yeah. Yes, woohoo, a birthday party. That's a great way to describe it. All right, next one. You're going on a field trip to a special place like Six Flags. One of my kids, one of our family's favorite spots, but you get there and you get there early. Your car is the only one in the parking lot. You have beaten the crowd. And so you walk up to the front counter. You're thinking, I'm going to go be the first one in line at the roller coaster. And there's a sign on the door that says, do to a power outage, Six Flags is closed today. What emotion are we feeling? Sad. Would you, rage. Rage. I've planned this day for my family and it's not working out. Alright, who else? What else we got? Augustine? Formulating a backup plan. I like it. Malik? Yes, the waste of money, the gas money to get there. Okay, next one. You're playing with your friends on the playground, and you come down the slide, and you hear two of your friends whispering to each other. You can't hear everything that they're saying, but you hear your name being whispered, and you know they're talking about you. How does that make you feel? Adults can chime into this one as well. Hosanna, sorry. You feel happy about that? You are very emotionally regulated over there. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, who else? Who else? Zella? 
Very curious. Amen. Yeah, and I heard somebody say nervous. And that's kind of how I would feel. Kind of a knot in your stomach. Okay, last one. You're playing basketball and you finally score. So your fifth game of the season, you finally score your first basket. And you look over to see all of your siblings, all your friends and family jumping up and down with excitement. Luke, how would you feel? This is a real life scenario at our house. Go ahead. How would you feel? Happy. So happy. Evelyn? So excited. Zell again? Say it one more time. Full on victory dance. I love that. All right, Noel? Straight to your mom and dad. So, so such a healthy family over there, the Masons. Uh, love that. Love that. But one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that it's not just commandments. It's not just the do not steal, do not envy, and it's not just theology. It's not just passages of Scripture that are kind of telling us concrete things about God. Think about Philippians 2, 6, where it says, who being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing. Those are very important things, both the commandments and the theology, but the Bible is more than that. It also includes includes all of these stories, and the stories help us to understand God more and how we as His people interact with Him. And oftentimes our children, because the books that they read, sometimes when we grow up, we stop reading, we sadly stop reading fiction, we stop reading stories, and what our kiddos have been, hopefully been reading those in and, in, in and out of the classroom, and they are oftentimes our best listeners for stories, and we have a beautiful story here today about Jesus and his close friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And like I said, Jesus was away, and Lazarus, he got sick while Jesus was away, and sadly, he died. Now, Jesus being Jesus, just like he does today, Jesus had the ability to heal Lazarus. Because Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, if he never wanted Lazarus to die, he could have reoriented his schedule, he could have foreseen what was going to happen, come back and healed Lazarus. And I think his friends Mary and Martha know this. And that's why they felt so confused on why didn't Jesus come back sooner. And gosh, isn't this so relatable? We go through hard stuff in life. We ask questions of God. Why did our friends move away? Why is our friend or a loved one in the hospital and doesn't seem to be getting better? Why did our dog get sick and die? Why does grandma live so far away? If you're a Christian in this room and you know Jesus is, well, Jesus, He could have done something or could even be doing something in your mind, to fix the hard things in our lives. And he could have done something to fix the hard things that happened with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And at some point, we all ask the question, God, I feel so disappointed. You could have fixed this. Why didn't you? Raise your hand if you've ever had that question. There's a story of a guy named Ted Turner. Uh, Ted Turner, for you kiddos, is the guy that he is in charge of a lot of TV, or was in charge of a lot of TV. There's a big building downtown, the CNN Center. Uh, well, I've heard they're moving that at some point, but 
They, uh, Ted Turner was in charge, started that up, kind of a media mogul. And as he got older in life, he decided that he wanted nothing to do with God. But when he was a youth, when he was a teenager, he was actually incredibly involved in his church. And it, the, 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 what I've read about him is that he actually wanted to be a missionary, but his younger sister, who was 12 at the time when Ted Turner was 15, contracted lupus, which is like a degenerative uh, tissue disease, from my best understanding. She's racked with pain, goes through a, a horrible spell with that. And, her, and the, what Ted says is that her screams filled the house. And Ted, being a believer, regularly came home, held her hand, and tried to comfort her, and prayed for her recovery over and over again. And sadly, she never recovered. Ted's dad at the time remarked, if that's the type of God, told Ted, if that's the type of God you believe in that doesn't answer the prayers for our daughter, he said, I want nothing to do with her. Ted had a prayer not answered. Ted's dad lost his faith, and so did Ted. Ted, the quote says, I was taught that God was love and God was powerful, and I couldn't understand how someone so innocent should be made or allowed to suffer so much. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we have to ask the question of ourselves, what do we do when God disappoints us? When our prayers don't get answered, when life isn't working out the way that we want it to, and we feel those emotions of sadness or nervousness or whatever, disappointment. What do we do? We really have three options. And when I say three options, I'm not saying they're all good options, but these are our three options. The first is that we simply run away or sometimes walk away from God. The story about Ted Turner, that's in essence, what he did, and this option, though I'll say it from the pulpit, this option stinks. But honestly, I can get my head around it sometimes, and I've wanted to do the same thing at times. But so often we get to the place where we think about this, and then the Holy Spirit keeps hold of us, and we think like the disciples said, where else could we go? When Jesus asked them, are you going to run away as well? Where else could you go? For Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. There's sometimes that we don't understand what God is doing, but we know that we just want to stay close to Him. So we, option one, we run away from God, not our best option. Option two, you stuff it and ignore what is going on inside of you. This is often how many of us operate. One of my favorite theologians, a guy named Daniel Tiger, or DT as he goes, from, uh, goes on in our house, he says... In one of his many, many beautiful songs, he says, When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to one, two, three, four. Daniel Tiger, maybe the most emotionally healthy character in all of television history, but Daniel Tiger says something in this that we struggle to do is to process those emotions. And sometimes it's easier, depending how you're wired, just to stuff those emotions. Put them in a closet and say, I don't know how to deal with that, so I'm just not going to. And I'm here to tell you that they will come out at some point, whether you want them to or not. 
And so the next slide, I mean the next uh, number three there is what we are called to do, what we see from this passage. When we have things we are disappointed about, our call, our invitation is to bring those to Jesus, knowing that He can handle it. So when we bring our hard stuff to Jesus, what does He do with it? We see from this passage in these two interactions with Martha first and then Mary, the first thing that He does, and this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, the first thing that He does, and He doesn't always do it in this order, but the first thing that He does, He responds to Martha in Martha's agony and pain by telling her things that are true. When Martha comes to him and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Literally, I think in anger coming at him, Jesus responds to her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In the spiral that Martha is going through, Jesus seeks, to orient her on truth. But that's not His only reaction to us. We see later in the story with Martha's sister Mary, that with Mary He feels sad with her. And this is what He offers us, brothers and sisters. He offers empathy. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, Mary fell at His feet. said something very similar, Lord, if You'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, Jesus, the Son of God, God Almighty, He was deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. And He says, where have you laid Him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And what did Jesus do? How did He react? The Scripture tells us that Jesus wept. The Greek there, wept, is probably better translated to he cries uncontrollably. You're picturing Jesus, the one who heals, the one who dies on the cross for our sin. When he sees his friend who has died, he sees the sisters struggling and mourning in grief, he loses it. Cries uncontrollably. And so this is a, a, a picture of when we go through those difficult times, when our friends are talking about us behind our back, when we have a disappointment in a relationship, when a a loved one passes away earlier than we think they should, that yes, we're told truth, but the picture here is that Jesus is weeping with His friends. So when we bring our hard stuff to Jesus, this is what He does. He speaks truth to us. When we think about like when we start to spiral with our own thoughts and we start to get incredibly negative and start believing lies, I thought about situations that plague us even as adults. When a friend, say a friend, invites a, a big group of people to a party or to a gathering, and somehow you learn about it, but you didn't get invited. And all of a sudden your mind starts to spiral. You say, oh, that woman, she doesn't like me. Or maybe her friend's don't like me. And then the next step in this downward spiral is no one likes me. I'm not valuable at all. In that moment of spiraling downhill, you need Jesus to you need to remember that Jesus comes alongside you and is sad with you, 
but you also need to be reoriented with truth. You need to read Ephesians 1, 4 that said, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love and that you, though experience disappointment, are incredibly valuable. Though the people around you may hurt you at times because we live in this broken, fallen world, that your value has already been secured. And then the Lord consoles you, empathizes with you. He doesn't think your emotions are ridiculous. He doesn't tell Mary and Martha to just get it together. He loves them. And Daniel Tiger, going back to our dude here, what we see here from this is that our tendencies, we see come out in this incredibly beautiful TV show. And he says, you can be mad at someone you love, but when you're ready, you can give them a hug. He doesn't expect, Jesus doesn't expect our hard emotions to just go away. There's a book written by two women, uh, last name Mahaney and Whitaker, and they say in there that pain may come suddenly and stay for a long time. God does not rush us through the experience of pain and heartache. These women go on to say, even if sometimes that's what it feels like other people try to do to us. Know that in your hurt and your pain, God tells you things that are true, but He's not shoving you down the road. Daniel Tiger, back to our dude again, he says again, he says, stop, stop, stop. It's okay to feel angry. It's just not, it's not, not, not okay to hurt someone. So in these, in these moments where we are struggling, the tendency is in our stress and our anxiety and our, and our sadness to, to lash out. And where it's important to remember in our anger we do not sin, but we do process this with Jesus. And the good news about this, in, in this story and in out the whole of the Bible, is that the sadness that those women experienced was not the end of their story. The sadness that they experienced was not the end of this story. And again, back to our dude, Daniel Tiger. He says, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to cry. But little by little, the sadness will do what? The sadness will say, bye, bye. We know that Easter is coming. In this story, Lazarus is raised from the dead and it's, and it's a, 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 a mini picture of the, he's not resurrected, the resurrection's to come, but in this story we have a picture of the sadness and then Lazarus being raised from the dead and we know that even in our deepest sadness, in our deepest disappointments, that that's not the end of the story. That we mourn, we grieve, we are sad, but we do so with hope Because as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Even during Lent, we are Easter people. Even during Lent, when we talk about things that are hard, like like sin and heartache and needing to confess the inadequacies, the iniquities in our hearts, the good news is it's not the end of the story. And we're heading in a few weeks to celebrate in the Easter season that death has been defeated and that we have the hope of the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the Bible and the truth of the Scripture that we come 
to you and are reminded that though life is hard, that though we are sad at times, that all the sadness will one day say bye-bye because of the hope of the resurrection. May you remind us day in and day out of this truth. In Christ's name we pray.